Hi, I'm Daryl Cagle, and this is the Cast. We're all about political cartoons, and today is our Earth Day podcast. We've got cartoons about the environment, and we have four great cartoonists with us today. We have R.J. Matson, who is the cartoonist for Roll Call in Washington, D.C. for over 30 years. And for many years, R.J. was the cartoonist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. He's been a cartoonist for the New Yorker, the New York Observer, Mad Magazine, and he's won lots of awards. From Florida, we have Taylor Jones, who's been drawing for decades for the Hoover Digest. And for many years, he was a cartoonist for El Nuevo Dia in Puerto Rico and for U.S. News and World Report. He has a butterfly garden in his backyard. From Oaxaca, Mexico, we have Peter Cooper, who's also a New Yorker cartoonist and who drew Spy vs. Spy in Mad Magazine for over 20 years. He's drawn dozens of books and won lots of awards and has taught at School of Visual Arts and Harvard University. And Peter draws a weekly wordless cartoon about the environment for Charlie Hebdo in France that we'll see today. From Calgary, Alberta, we have Guy Parsons, a brilliant Canadian cartoonist who we syndicate as an American cartoonist so that he won't be invisible to American editors. Uh, Guy has won a bunch of awards too, and he's drawn for the Calgary Herald and the Globe and Mail in Canada. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey. Thank you. Thanks. thanks. Hi, Joe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lots of people are listening to us in audio only, so I'm going to read and describe the cartoons. Just bear with me when I do that. And RJ, we're going to start with you. Here's your first one. You've got Congress before time, and they're all dinosaurs. And one uh, Republican dinosaur says, Madam Speaker, this asteroid alarmism is the biggest hoax ever. I think this is a great cartoon. I drew that. That must have been in 2008 when my daughter was five years old and in her uh, dinosaur face. <laughs> so I, I probably had seen the land before time maybe 50 times that year. Oh, that's a wonderful um, cartoon. It's timeless. But I want to take credit. I, I've forgotten that I'd drawn this until you asked me to look up Earth Day cartoons and related environmental cartoons. And I want to take credit for the inspiration for the Don't Look Up movie, that wonderful satire, which equates an asteroid coming to destroy the Earth with our indifference and inability to do anything about global warming. Very um, good. Well, we'll give you credit for that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> here's uh, Uncle Sam, and he's uh, wearing his Earth Day Kisses Chef shirt and pouring too much uh, lighter fluid on his hugely flaming earth uh, barbecue. Any words about this one? No. That's that a nice looking cartoon. Louis at the Post-Dispatch. Uh, a new phase of my life. Family, kids, house, backyard barbecues. <laughs> I hadn't done much of that in the 20 years previous when I was in New York City. This is a, a nice uh, takeoff on Saul Steinberg's New Yorker cover, the big book of global warming cartoons, 2007 to 2107. <laughs> You've got the classic view of, uh, but uh, instead New York is uh, flooded and just tops of the buildings poking out. It's a lovely cartoon. Thank you. I'd, I'd actually seen a map uh, that month, that week, predicting, you know, what the United States would look like in 100 or 200 years. And, you know, basically Pennsylvania would be the East Coast was the gist of the map. So that's why I, I highlighted Pennsylvania as the one state. The first state you see after the flooded New York City. I see we lost California too. Uh, yep, you lost California. That's right. So here's a frozen capital, particularly the Senate, and it's on uh, an iceberg that's breaking up and it says climate change legislation. That's a great looking cartoon. Beautiful piece. Thank you. That's one of those challenging ideas. Just wanted to see if I could do it, you know, pull up, make the Capitol building look like it's part of an iceberg. Or, or an ice shelf, I would say, that's cleaving. It's right. a beautiful, yeah, it's a beautiful piece, uh, RJ. Okay, here's the Environmental Protection Agency with their columns exuding polluting smoke. 
Um, right. And this was drawn right after Trump was elected president and the new administration was settling in and they were uh, relaxing or reversing all the environmental standards that were set, especially regarding coal. And looking through uh, the cartoons for this, I noticed that there was a lot more passion for environmental cartoons when Trump was in office and a uh, good deal when George W. Bush was in office and a whole lot of cartoons that depict columns on buildings as smokestacks or pipes exuding waste. That's what, what are those tropes that cartoonists love, I guess. Right. I had done a variation when they, uh, the Supreme Court made, made a decision about the EPA and it was you know, generally similar vibe to it. It's that, that happens so often with cartooning where you just have ideas get in the air and then we all end up gravitating towards something without, you know, I very often don't look at the internet to see if somebody's done something. If I feel like something is truly original, like I, I, I know I haven't seen that specific image and I don't want to put the kibosh on it because I know I'll do a variation. Sometimes, yes, but do you, mm -hmm. do you guys look at, at the web for whether something's been done? I look because I don't want to do the same thing because I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm greedy and I think that maybe people won't buy it if it's similar to everybody else's. Here, uh, RJ, you've got a big oil guy riding on a oil rig that made to look like an elephant. It's the new Republican elephant. This is another timeless cartoon. But this was during the uh, 2008 presidential campaign, McCain, McCain and Palin, and the whole drill baby drill mantra that the Republicans settled on as a major campaign slogan. All right, we're switching to Guy. You've got Mother Nature, and she's looking at all these bad polluting things, the factories, the cars, the water pollution. She says, I was wondering if you could maybe dial things back a wee bit. <laughs> and the factory says, what, are you crazy? That would hurt the economy. This is very nice. A lot of people commented on that one. I, I've got all the things that you need. I've got spewing pipes. I've got smokestacks. <laughs> yeah. Everything's, everything's dark and bleak looking. Coming from a guy who's... I, I got solar on my roof. I'm moving into a net zero house. These things are important to me. And I, I keep, like in Alberta too, they drill a lot of oil here. I'm really worried about things going back to the way they were. That wasn't me, by the way. It sounds like you've got wildlife in Alberta. That wasn't mine. That was somebody else's dog. That's bark. my dog in Maine. All right. Yeah, see, he's smiling. That's his dog. Yeah. And here you've got the couple having dinner. The French waiter says, and Monsieur's dish is wild caught sesame encrusted mahi mahi raised on only the oceans finest plastics. <laughs> It's, it's funny how some ideas just come to you. I was, I was sitting at the kitchen table after, I think, a couple of martinis, and, and think my wife and I were talking about uh, the oceans, and that, the thing just popped right into my head. I love it when you get those little gifts that you don't have to work for. Here you've got Dad with the kid in bed who's scared of monsters. Dad says, no, no, don't worry. If you don't believe in it, it's not real. And the climate change monster's looking in the window. Um, apropos what you just said, Guy, um, do you keep uh, some kind of ability to write down ideas when, when you get them, like you keep a notebook or anything with you? Oh, yeah. Got it right here. It's a big, huge folder full of paper. So I just use my phone, and then when I get home, ah. I, I just record it. Simple. Yeah. But yeah, I, I saw a thing about uh, the comedian, the black comedian. Uh, what's his name? Uh, anyways, he said he had a, oh. a fishbowl. Who's the guy that's big right now? Uh, Chris Rock. Dave Chappelle? Uh, not Chris Rock, but the other guy. Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. And, and he said, yeah, he keeps a goldfish <laughs> bowl in his kitchen. And every time he comes up with an idea, he, he just, anything, anything, he, he just jots it down and throws it in there. And, and I thought when he said anything, so anything that comes to me, even if it's stupid, I throw it in the file and I get some great ideas um, without, you know, once again, without even having to work for it. Um, and, and, you know, Tom Waits says he has a muse and his muse will give him ideas if he's open for it. So I'm always 
asking my muse to help me out today. And usually I get a, I get a reply, you know? I'm guessing sounds, that's not know, too good for the goldfish. All right, here's uh, monster climate change and climate solutions. The little knight is coming to slay the climate change. That's an optimistic cartoon or a pessimistic cartoon? I was thinking of Greta Thunberg when I came up with this idea, because she's saying basically nobody's doing anything. What did she say? Uh, blah, blah, blah. All right, here you've got then and now. Then you've got the gal yelling stop climate change. And now you've got the gal with the sign that says deal with climate change. It's, it, it's so true now, right? We, we, we can't stop it anymore. We've passed all of those deadlines for the apocalypse, and now it's just a matter of how bad the apocalypse is. I guess I'm an optimist, you know, if you look at my cartoons. I thought about inviting a conservative cartoonist to this, and I, I didn't really want to have that conversation. That would have just dominated the whole thing. Yes. Okay. Here you've got uh, Exxon, Total, Big Oil, Big Coal, and Big Gas saying climate change is real. We caused it. Who knew it was coming? And in the next panel, it's who cared? They're all blaming yeah, each that other. That came out of that news story. When, when you heard about Exxon, that they knew years and years ago, they, in fact, their own researchers warned them of, of what was going to happen. And they didn't care. Profits were the most important thing. And, you know, as a shareholder in so many companies, and I used to have to be a shareholder in a lot of oil companies, not anymore, but shame on them. You know, it's like the tobacco companies. You know, I, I used to smoke heavily and I didn't think it was that bad for me until I started realizing, geez, I'm losing my vision in one of my eyes because I smoke. And so these guys, they're, they're letting us poison our kids' future, and, and nobody's holding their feet to the fire. Nobody's saying, you got to pay for this. So I thought that, that I wanted to do something stark anyways mm -hmm. about that. Well, it's a pretty cartoon. It's got bright, cheery colors. Yeah, I should have been more muted, dead colors. <laughs> I should have made them all green. When cartoonists have muted colors, we sometimes get complaints from editors that say, stop the muted colors. I'm paying for color on the editorial page. Well, sure, and the most popular cartoons are always the brightest, right? Well, the ones the you editors think mine like, would sell better. They look better on the page layout. Thing. Taylor does very pretty cartoons. I'm switching to Taylor now. Uh, Taylor, here you've got the guy uh, rowing his boat through all of the ocean of plastic. And he <laughs> says, ban single-use plastic bags. That'll fix everything. But of course, the ocean of plastic is filled with every kind of nasty plastic junk. And the poor seagull says, if only... This is very nice. Unlike Guy, I take a pretty pessimistic view of our <laughs> environmental future. This is one of the pieces I, I did for Hoover Digest. Now, Hoover Digest is a, is a small publication for the conservative Hoover Institution. And uh, in terms of environment... Do you find that frustrating, Taylor? I mean, does Hoover Institution take a point of view, for example, on the environment that's opposite yours and you have to kind of hold your nose? Well, sometimes. But uh, the thing is that here, my feeling is that I think in general, liberals are really good at assessing the problem and often <clears throat> much more honest about it. But uh, sometimes I think uh, a lot of liberal solutions uh, fall short. And uh, I don't know how, as greedy as the energy industry is, I don't know how we are going to uh, solve environmental problems without some sort of cooperation that's going to involve business. Over the years, I, I work things out with my editor editors at, and uh, it, it you know works out okay. So you've just kind of gotten used to them? Yeah. <laughs> We, we, right. They're very good people to work with. Okay, well, here's a, here you've got a monkey with monkeypox, and he says, monkeypox, let's talk about human pox. It's everywhere, disfiguring everything. And the chicken who has monkeypox says, but there's a vaccine, right? And the frog that has monkeypox says, nope, no, no. Cuban. Was that this your French accent? That's my monkey accent. Again, with, uh, with the pessimism, I'm not counting on humans to... to uh, uh, dig us out of this hole. 
This yeah. is a tough cartoon to get past editors. They don't like any kind of pox or or human maladies in cartoons. They don't <laughs> like poo-poo or pee-pee or blood. They don't do anything with blood. And the cartoonists love to draw blood. They love to draw all of these human fluids and things. And uh, the cartoons well, you know, just do not appear. Daryl, during the Trump administration, you know, there's many presidents now. I'm old enough that there have been many, many presidents in my lifetime. And there have been, you know, some that I've liked or sort of liked and some that I've various degrees of dislike bordering on hatred. But Trump is the one president that I have utterly despised. And I'm not sure it made me a better cartoonist because so many of my Trump cartoons have been scatological. Things that editors don't want to see, but that's all I see when I when I think of Trump. I don't know if any other cartoonists have had that same problem. It's not so much a problem with Trump because editors won't print cartoons about Trump no matter what they are, which is a great frustration to cartoonists. I, I've talked to some cartoonists who thought that Trump was a great renaissance for editorial cartoonists because we all had this wonderful bunch of passionate things to draw about, but we were just drawing them for ourselves. It was a great frustration, a frustration to me. And we had such a large percentage of the cartoons about Trump. We just had a large percentage of the cartoons that were not getting printed. And it was a very small amount of cartoons available to the editors. And they complained loudly about that. I've had just the opposite experience um, drawing for Capitol Hill, uh, the Roll Call, which is the newspaper of Congress in Capitol Hill. And, you know, the audience is members of Congress and everybody who works on Capitol Hill. It's sort of a small town newspaper for Capitol Hill. And it's very insider. And the editors generally shy away from picking on personalities. And they, and they don't want to come across as favoring one political party over the other. But they loved, they ate up every Trump cartoon because all the conservatives, all the Republicans on Capitol Hill hated Trump from the beginning. And they had to play along. And there's a lot of comedy in that. Right when people have an opinion that they can't express publicly and they have to eat their words a lot or reverse their positions like Lindsey Graham did. So I, I was, it was liberating for me because I could do far more political stuff, far more hard-hitting stuff than I ever would have done for that particular paper because all of their audience hated Trump and only half of their audience was willing to say it. But the other half delighted in seeing the cartoons, I would imagine. Well, I think you had a rare, fortunate editorial cartooning experience there. Yeah, I guess so. Speaking of Lindsey Graham, RJ, have you found that he contradicts himself pretty much every day? Uh, yeah. Yes, I have. They clearly have some photos on that guy that they can blackmail him in whatever direction <laughs> they want. I have I've never seen Wiggle more, you know, like clearly when called upon, he has to do whatever so he doesn't go to, you know, whatever. There's, they have something on him. You, you, that's the, the expression on his face is that I found actually at the New Yorker that I had lots and lots of opportunity to do Trump cartoons uh, for their daily and even for the magazine. There was sufficient opportunity um, around and they didn't seem to shy away from that. I'm kind of proud of our profession that the cartoonists did not shy away from drawing Trump cartoons when Trump was in office just because they weren't getting printed. We have so many great Trump cartoons. In fact, here's one of them. Taylor, this is your Trump cartoon in the bird. Do you want to explain this one? Yeah. One of the many things that Trump liked to do through executive order was uh, he tore up the Migratory Bird Act, which dates way back to 1918, as you can see there. And uh, the birds didn't like it. Oh, very good. Nicely done. It's like an Audubon Society drawing. It's beautiful. <laughs> that was yeah, a Yeah. And lots of... And it involved... And there's bird poop, too. Lots, yes, lots well, of again, birds pooping. There was so much... You know, uh, anytime I could... Work in uh, uh, excrement into a Trump cartoon, I, I would. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs>
here's one where you have Trump farting. Uh, Trump says, you won't be laughing anymore. The fart heard around the world withdrawal from the Paris Climate Accord. My well, you know goodness, what? First, Taylor. first thing I want to say is that I didn't know this at the time. This, I, I guess it was probably 2017 this was done, maybe 2018. But apparently uh, papyrus typeface is now greatly frowned upon by anybody in graphics art. So I apologize <laughs> for the, uh, the use of it here. Um, I don't think anyone looks at this cartoon and <laughs> thinks about the papyrus font. I've got a friend who won't let me, won't let that die. Again, Trump spent four years basically crapping on all things uh, civil. And uh, this is what we have as a result. And of course, you know, it occurs to me, whether it's uh, Donald Trump or Ronald DeSantis, that there's a certain segment of voters. I don't really think they necessarily even care what the issue is. They just want their politicians to be, and I can't say the word, you know, it's, uh, um, uh, it begins with an A. That's what they want their politicians to be, even their president. That's what they want them to be. That's certainly what they want Governor DeSantis to be. And uh, as long as he's being that in public, then they cheer him on. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, and that's unfortunate, but that's uh, where we live in. Was the word entertaining? Yes, entertaining. That's not, that's entertaining a, with an A. Yeah, this is a, a great... This is a great looking Greta Thunberg, Taylor. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's Joan of Arc here. And uh, I know that she's in some ways seen as very tiresome, et cetera. I kind of like her just telling off all the great leaders of the world, even if it sounds kind of silly. You know, when she's scolding them in, 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 to their faces, as she has done, I, I rather like that. You know, uh, um, you, like, you like for your uh, environmental activists to start with an A word. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> On the left. That's right. No, but it's, it's, I, I know what you're saying. It's that this disrespect for leaders, right? That they, they think they're so important and she's just knocking them down to, they're just regular people that aren't playing by the, the right rules. Well, Taylor, they're not actually love... accomplishing anything, you know? I've been sort of surprised yeah. at how often seemingly more even liberal like comedians use her as a punching bag. She's putting down leaders, but then people hate her for being a leader. Keep on finding, I, I love listening to comedy specials and I find the comedians love to attack her. And well, it's, it's very curious because it's like there's so few people out there who have managed to have as much of an impact as she's had. And it's, I guess it's just like if anybody rises up, you're going to knock them down. But it seems Well, you know, to put in a, put in a partisan light, uh, Democrats satirize, Republicans demonize. And uh, they've demonized Greta Thunberg for sure. You know, I like uh, Greta Thunberg. And, and I think she's young and charming. And that makes it uh, seem like the people who are demonizing her are... Uh, nastier. Than well, also, and she's else. tiny. She's physically tiny, and she stayed that way. So, uh, um, uh, I think that um, that just makes the bullying all the more noticeable. I like her. I love these bird cartoons, Taylor. I think Thank that you. if you did uh, birds just talking to each other about the news, like so many cartoonists do, the couple sitting in front of the TV, the birds are just the most charming thing. Well, I I've done, I have more done, of these birds. I have done more of them and I'm going to continue to do more of them, especially because having to surrender four months a year, uh, well, every, you know, every, well, about every six weeks, eight weeks for Hoover Digest. And uh, often I'm not there when I, I'm under deadline for that one. There's some big event that I can't really cover for, for you uh, directly. And, um, but uh, the nature cartoons and things I can do whenever I want, and I should do more of them. But this one particularly was uh, actually inspired by just outside my neighborhood. Because well, let me read and describe this oh, okay. one for our audio-only oh, listeners. Are. So you got three birds, and uh, the bluebird says, 
what? You're going to reopen the economy now? And the next bird, I don't know what kind of bird this is, says, with a return to all that noise and traffic. And the bird at the bottom says, but we're just getting used to hearing our own voices again. This is an after COVID cartoon. Correct. It was right. It was during the lockdowns. And that's an indigo bunting on uh, there at the top left. And of course. Uh, then you've got, a, these are all American birds, all a, a, a mockingbird or northern mockingbird, if you want to get specific, uh, there uh, in the middle. And then a Carolina wren. Uh, Carolina wrens are very little birds, very, very loud. And, uh, uh, but that's the thing. They are actually having to sing louder as humans and our activity gets louder and louder as well. And really? Is that making the birds sing louder? Indeed. They are shouting. And of course, Carolina wrens always shouting because they're so little, they have to. But what a lot of people had noticed, and this was certainly true in my own neighborhood, during the initial lockdowns, how quiet things got and how so much wildlife sort of was saying, you know, what is this? This is this is amazing. We should we should have some fun. I think that's great. All right, here you got two more birds talking, and uh, this bird on the left says, "We're at an inflection point. An inflection point. An inflection point. An inflection point." The hummingbird says, "Cool your jets, wren. It's just another day." Well, again, we have a, a Carolina wren here, and then a ruby-throated hummingbird, only hummingbird in the eastern U.S. Um, and uh, uh, well, yeah, of you course. know, I, I guess this is this this isn't necessarily about the environment, but it could be. Because I'm pessimistic about what's going to happen in our environmental future. At the same time, I get so annoyed with the language that all of us hear all the time from politicians, from pundits, et cetera, using all kinds of cliche words. And one of them is an inflection point. You know, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are always at inflection points. It's just another day. It's not an inflection point. Peter, we're moving on to you. Okay. So here you've got the golfer and uh, the golfer swinging his ball on the grass, but you pull back and you see there's just a little spot of grass and a vast parched desert. This is one of your Charlie Hebdo cartoons. You draw one of these four panel cartoons in Charlie Hebdo every week with their environmental column. Yes. And uh, tell us about working for Charlie Hebdo and drawing this very specific kind of cartoon that's so much different than the other cartoons in Charlie Hebdo. Um, well, the, I mean, it's good to do them as wordless comics because I don't speak French. What they asked me to do more in the last year or so is to find a headline and then attach, kind of attach the cartoon to that headline. And so th that makes it easier, but I still lo really love the idea of a standalone wordless comic doesn't have labels and can I, that, that can potentially be understood by anybody around the world. And I've been doing wordless comics for, for quite a long time. I did a whole graphic novel called The System that was wordless. And it's just an area that I've been exploring for decades. I think it, it you know goes back to Spy versus Spy, things that I saw like that, that I loved growing up. And the idea that you could communicate through a series of images like that was really appealing to me. And, and then having topic like the environment is a really powerful thing to work with. And I just seem to have an endless, sadly, endless stream of ideas because there's an endless stream of problems to talk about. Does that come from 20 years of spy versus spy getting you into that mindset? I, I actually had that before. I did a, uh, a comic that I self-syndicated called Eye of the Beholder that started out in the New York Times city section. And I did it there for six months. And it was similarly a wordless, uh, it was a five panel cartoon. And um, I did that for years and I ended up uh, then sending it out to alternative papers back when there were alternative papers and you could be, you know, I'd have 10, 10 papers running it every week. 
And so I was exploring that uh, before I got the uh, Spy versus Spy. Uh, they asked me to try out for that. It was okay. It was here's the best cartoons that we're just worked in. Here's your here's your next one. You've got uh, close up on the penguins on the ice, and then a penguin within a cone of ice falls into the water and becomes a martini glass, which is drunk by the a bad oil guy who's dripping oil and oil logos. That, that was based on the president of, uh, or the CEO of Total Oil, which is the French company. But he worked just fine as your generic, fairly evil uh, um, oil company executive. Um, this is another thing I love doing with wordless comics is to do a visual something where the image transforms. In this case, the, the iceberg starts to take a shape that then in the next panel looks like a martini glass and then is fully realized when you see the guy drinking the martini. Um, so there's a lot of things like that that I can play with. And I really like exploring visual symbols that I think is really in our DNA. I think it goes back to like, you know, our cave paintings and that we, we love these symbols. This one, you've got the <laughs> car driving in front of the Capitol. You've got an airplane in the sky. You've got a big limo driving away from Glasgow airport and they're all going to the climate conference. So excellent hypocrisy cartoon. Tell us about this one. Yeah, well, that that's just that thing. And, and you know, of course we all are kind of living with the hypocrisy because I find myself, I'm looking up climate change things on my computer and my phone and which is plugged in, which is using electricity. We live with a lot of um, contradictions that we have to, you know, try to make work in our brains. But the fact that, you know, when you had uh, John Kerry was flying to Glasgow and of course going through all the, using up a tremendous amount of uh, energy in order to get to a climate change uh, thing. And I, I'm happy to not just be, uh, you know, strictly attacking the Republicans are having the opportunity to actually uh, point out the discrepancies across the board politically. Not that I don't lean towards, you know, as I think Stephen Colbert said, that uh, uh, reality has a liberal bias. The style of your cartoons in Charlie Hebdo is really dramatically different than all of the other cartoons in Charlie Hebdo. It's surprising to see it there. Uh, can you speak to that? Uh, I, I can't really because it, the... It was such a fluke that I got that job. Um, I had a four panel cartoon, wordless cartoon, and I had gotten hold of the art director's email and I sent it to him and said, I don't know if you take unsolicited, you know, solicitations, like a random cartoon. And he went, uh, would you like to do this every week? <laughs> and I was like, okay. And it just, you know, this really hit my sweet spot because this is really exactly what I want to be doing with my time in you know in this crisis i want to be drawing about this and i'll do cartoons of this sort anyway um and pitch them around but having a regular spot that sits next to their environmental column was just it was fantastically good luck and i don't fully understand you know there it is outside their usual much more you know bigfoot cartoon and and certainly they do a lot of cartoon styles and show things that i don't tend to do in my cartoons i know that i can do something more risque with them but for the most part, I just do what I do, which is, you know, it's, it, it, you know, there are fewer penises in my cartoons. I don't know if you ever do anything <laughs> risque because I haven't noticed you uploading anything yeah, like that to our syndication. If I, do something, if I do something risque for them, I, you know, I, I know pretty, there's pretty good odds that it's not going to fly with any of your editors. You know, uh -huh. somebody's sitting on a toilet um, and, you know, things are being spewed or whatever. That might work. But as, you know, Taylor 
demonstrated with farting. There was an article about how pollution is causing a penis size to shrink. And one year it said that, and then the next year it said that pollution is causing penis size to grow, which did make it into like the Daily Show news and things like that. So I did some cartoon like that that was visually using smokestacks and things like that. And I just figured you'll probably not want to run that one. So Peter, you want to give me your editor's name? <laughs> I really do like that, that they're open to a range, even if uh, the range is only you. It's Yes, it's a range of one. A range of one. But I am home on the range, I can tell you. Okay, very good. So here you've got uh, Giant Ice Scape, and uh, it's breaking up into Rodan's The Thinker, and then the Rodan's The Thinker breaks up and falls into the ocean as well. So, it, very, uh, it very much relates to, to RJ's cartoon of the Capitol Dome, which is in the process of melting. And, you know, that whole idea, we're sitting there, we're, we're pondering the, the this giant problem, which is we're so close to the edge on, on things like having the oceans rise and living in Manhattan, I'm, I'm uh, painfully aware, having been around for Hurricane Sandy, that when the waters rise, it can go up to say 23rd Street where cars are floating. And uh, I'm thankfully on the Upper West Side, so I'm a little higher up, but it, it made me very conscious of the fact that this is around the corner and that um, our ability to evolve, we're doing a lot of thinking about it, but we're not doing a lot of actioning about it i mean there's some but well actually your cartoon implies that we're not thinking about it for very long I, it was more like the threat of it is coming quickly and time you know it's a this is a time factor like that we we have a limited time to deal with this and we keep hearing about this and i think probably most people when they hear about by 2100 something or other is going to happen go eh you know it's like a lot of things we, we can only take in so much information and so I think it's really very outside of human ability to think that into the future. We, we just have, we're very bad about that. Uh, we can't, we, we, you know, and, and I think it's our job as cartoonists to sort of visualize these things and try to make it seem a little more. I, I love that cartoon because it suggests geologic time that, you know, the iceberg existed uh -huh. for millennia before humans existed <laughs> and, and the, uh, the humans time on earth is very short and, uh, and, uh, so, and then they just disappear. <laughs> so, Peter, up. here you've got uh, President Trump, whose face is a thumbprint, and he's in the position of Edvard Munch's The Scream. And I've got to say, I didn't really understand this cartoon. Could you explain it to us? <laughs> well, I, I, and I would have thought you we were about to say, gee, about 20 people did this cartoon. Like I said, it turned out it was the <laughs> cover of Time magazine did this. I saw about 10 versions of this. A variation. Oh, I, did it. I think I was the first one. When did, did you do it? The day, the night he was in, the, like two hours after he was indicted. Well done. <laughs> I think I, I think we'll see. That was about when I did it. So yeah. I pitched it the next day to, you know, like I pitched it out there, and and uh, it was one of those I did not look on the internet because I thought very thoroughly, like, okay, th this is there's a pretty good chance that you know I'm not going to be alone on the thumbprint. Trump face. Um, but but um, so it was it was Trump was, you know, being indicted, was getting thumbprinted and that his, uh, the, you know, no matter what he said, you could just see the, from the expression on his face sitting in that courtroom. And especially when the guy, the police didn't hold the door for him when he was walking in, you sense that some of uh, some of the facade crumbling. And, you know, I think this is this is a cartoon that we'll probably be able to run several times, just change the New York background to uh, Georgia or uh, mm -hmm. Florida or wherever else the, the indictments are coming down. Cause 
Um, I'd say he's finally some aspect of this is caught up and we'll see how it shakes out. He's a very, very slippery eel. And, um, but I, but I did, I said <laughs> there was a, um, a moment there where the chickens were coming home to roost for him. Is that your own thumbprint? No. This is one of mine, uh, moving hey. along. Uh, <laughs> one of my, one of my Trump environment cartoons. Uh, this was another uh, Republican White House uh, environment <laughs> cartoon. Nice one. Smokestacks and waste pipes. Um, mm -hmm. I do a lot of California flags and a lot of California pollution and climate change cartoons in the California flag format. Uh, here's Trump talking to the burning state of California. He says, it's your own fault that you're burning. You're so stupid, snot, smart, sad. Mm -hmm. When we were having giant fires, I had the couple talking to each other, but they're obscured by smoke and can't see anything. And one says, climate change caused the fires that made this smoke. And the other one says, I just don't see it. And that's enough about me. Gentlemen, I'm going to go through a bunch of cartoons by some of our other cartoonists. So this one is by John Darko, who draws a car barreling down the street, the denier's car, uh, the street to climate change, point of no return. And one says, we don't know where we're going. The other one says, but we're making good time. You can pretty much make a car it make any point you want to as an editorial cartoonist. There's, this is a nice one because he's got all these labels in it, but they're all they're all integrated. Um, it's, this is one of the things I try to fight off is the, you know, if you have a caricature of, say, Trump, you don't have to put Trump on his shirt, I, you know, ideally. And though, though it's, it's absolutely, you know, it's a tradition of the form, but it's, I, I love seeing it when there's, there's uh, trickier solutions to that like this. It's kind of a sissy thing to use too many labels, and it's uh, a good manly cartoonist who doesn't use lots of labels. I'd like to add that the uh, technical thing, I, I always love John Darko's uh, use of a pencil. He just, uh, he, his quick sketches are always great. He is unusual for not using the computer at all. Well, I don't either, other than, I mean, you know, I mean, it's other than scanning things in. I draw on paper and scan it and paint the color on the computer. So gentlemen, here's Patrick Chapot from uh, Switzerland, and he's got the eight billionth baby being delivered by the stork into a world of uh, war and refugees and horror. Uh, it's, it's a nice looking cartoon. Pretty upbeat. Eh? Yeah, very uh, laugh fest. Here's uh, Adam Ziglis with American West flooded out. People sitting on the roofs of their houses. And one says, the good news is the threat of wildfire is relatively low today. Uh, sad truth. It's sad. Here's uh, Chris Wyant. Um, he's got the guy on a desert island being rescued. And he says, mass shootings, COVID attack on democracy, the recession, climate crisis. Why would I want to be rescued? Was that your French accent? Basically, they're all my French accent. <laughs> sound, sound like a Jersey accent to me. <laughs> okay. Well, who knows where this island is? Oh, you're a kvetcher. I am. Well, there's so Dave. Here, here's uh, Dave Womond and poor Turtle at the ocean's edge. And the turtle says, to tell the truth, I'm having some post-pandemic stress, too. Good cartoon. That is a nice cartoon. I went cartoon. to school with Dave. We were roommates, actually. Excellent. Mm, yeah. Small world. I've got stories to tell you guys about Dave Womond. Make your hair stand up. Dave Womond is really very popular, and you and he, we present as American cartoonists. You make an excellent American cartoonist, Guy. Oh, thanks. I love American politics. You know, I'm so sad to see Trump leave office, but he, he really hasn't. You know, he's, he's stuck around pretty well. I think don't, this don't indictment should... <laughs> but the indictment sure quieted him down, because you haven't heard a thing in the last week about anything Trump. I remember, like, the, in the middle really? of the pandemic, everything was Trump. Everything. Like, if it wasn't the pandemic story, it was a Trump story. Everything. Right. It's it's I, I mean, I don't know. What, 
listening to, but I, I, I hear the name Trump pop up now and again on a daily basis throughout the day. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. Well, there's that um, think it's all part of the plan. Canada, isn't there? Our, our great political system will provide someone new in, in due time. I remember in 2000, after about a decade drawing for the New York Observer, I woke up one day and I realized I didn't have Bill Clinton. I didn't have Rudy Giuliani. I didn't have Alphonse D'Amato. All of my great targets of satire are gone. And then about a year later, 9-11, and it was just like, you know, who, who am I going to make fun of? And, uh, you know, just stick around and <laughs> something new comes up. Yeah. Well, also, this, and this is predates uh, Jared Kushner owning the paper. There yeah. was a moment <laughs> there was a moment there I was doing work for The Observer and just uh, and I did something that was I, I guess I did something about Trump or whatever. And it was just I and I we had a, a falling out and I uh, and I said, I'm not going to work for you anymore. And at the end of the week, they they endorsed Trump and they also wrote me a seriously nasty they they wrote, wrote some seriously nasty emails my way, the editor and the uh, art director, Un, unpleasing. But I, I didn't know who Jared Kushner was almost at all. I was like, this this guy's bought the paper. Who's that? Right. And boy, then sure do know who he is now. I want to know it more is, about who he is, in fact. And don't I, you find it funny nowadays that, that political cartooning has become more safe than it was, say, 20 years ago? I hate to put it this way, but it, I felt this for a while now, that... Uh, in some ways, uh, the, the quote editorial cartoons that people are seeing are things like uh, Stephen Colbert's monologue. Because if you put something in his monologue along with the graphic, which he, he does, that's as much an editorial cartoon as anything we do. I, I, other than it's not on paper or, or you know, uh, however the various cartoonists do it. And, uh, it, it's, and of course, newspapers, uh, because of shrinking audience, aging readership, that people aren't going to their editorial pages to look for satire as uh, as they once did. And uh, I find myself, uh, I have many times, and I have tried to race to finish a cartoon to be done before 1130 before, because there has been a couple of times, and I'm sure this has happened with all of us, where I, you, you're working on an idea, and then one of the late night talk show hosts does that that in real time as a, as a, as a monologue joke. And I've had to crumple up the cartoon and throw it in the waste basket. So, so that's in some ways, I think that's more of the competition for us. Um, the, the happier moment was when I did a cartoon uh, that was the five stages of uh, election denial or something like that with Trump. And it was, you know, like anger, denial, anger, denial, anger, you know, it's <laughs> mm -hmm. to him not, not going along with it. And then every one of the talk shows did a, a variation of the, yeah. five stages of denial and it was like and and happily i got it in early enough where that didn't happen but um that what surprised me was that they all did the cartoon not that they were taking it from what i did by any means but it's just one of those again the ideas out there in the atmosphere and then mm -hmm. you have they, they're all doing it but you'd think they'd be looking at each other and going uh you know jimmy kimmel's not going to do it because colbert did it and the daily show won't do it because of you know Jimmy Fallon, although he's not likely a Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> um, and, you know, so, but they, they too do that same thing where they, there's like a, a chewed over idea and similar joke, but, you know, it, I mean, it must be the, you know, producing that material like, like we do, it's a real, you know, you're pushing a ball up a hill all, every single day and then the news gets torn up and they got to come up with something new. It's really quite remarkable. Sometimes I, I do enjoy watching all those 
the, the opening clips of, of that series of talk shows. Well, I, I got to say, I think cartoonists are doing the best work that they've ever done now. We stand on the shoulders of our predecessors, and I don't think we've been deterred by uh, editors not wanting what we want to draw. We, we, we draw what we want. I, I send you guys a, a list of the 20 most reprinted cartoons every week, and I think it's, for many cartoonists, that's a, a depressing list um, and a, a real disappointment at, at all of the strong points of view that are not being seen. But uh, that hasn't deterred anybody from having strong points of view. And uh, we do great stuff. Well, I certainly wasn't suggesting that. I, but I'm just saying is that, is that you know, where, where our audience is. And I think uh, having what we're drawing and what our audience is, is can be hard to match at times, I would think. Well, here is a wonderful cartoon by Steve Sack, our dear retired Steve Sack, who draws uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex with tiny little hands. He's labeled fossil fuels, and he's trying to open the door to the future, but his hands are just too small to open the door. I think that's wonderful. Mm. Well, everything he does is pretty wonderful. Yeah, that's beautifully rendered, too. And here is our communist Chinese cartoonist, Luo Ji, who draws uh, very much in the point of view of the Chinese government. And they don't get printed very much, but he draws cartoons on the environment that do get reprinted, like this one, which is a cute cartoon. It's a, a pile of garbage with uh, the garbage holding a flag, and the flag is a plastic bag. Well, it's it's great, the, great. the garbage holding up a, a flag in the form of the Iwo Jima Memorial. So... Uh, there, uh, the garbage is, I guess, uh, claiming victory yes. um, over this vast garbage landscape in the same way as on Iwo Jima. And I think that's cute. <laughs> what is I mean, it? Great flip-flop. No, it's, it's really, really well. It's well done. And, uh... We just did a, a podcast about China where we kind of uh, dissed on Luoji for his cartoons opposing the Hong Kong protests and opposing Taiwan and uh, defending lots of things that we never see in the press here. But uh, I should say that uh, the China cartoons on the environment, if not their actions, their cartoons are, uh, are stuff I like to see. Well, I would think that in China, you may have to toe the government line, but it's hard to avoid the environmental degradation. And it's hard to avoid environmental degradation in China. It's all around you. And I'm sure if you know, everyone of every political stripe in some ways, you can converge on, on uh, opinions about, about the environment, I would think. Anyway, I thought that cartoon was nice. Mm -hmm. uh, here's uh, one from Gaddis Luca from Latvia, and he's got the fish, and they're all trapped in oh, that's great. Uh, plastic containers. It says social distancing. I, yeah, this is a great Very cartoon. Good. And this one is by Michael Kunturis from Greece. He's got the scene from Planet of the Apes with the... Uh, Statue of Liberty uh, in a devastated landscape of plastic bottles. This was, uh, this is the real apocalypse. I thought that was cute too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're going to use the word cute a lot, aren't you? you know <laughs> I guess when you talk about the apocalypse, it's nice to find something cute. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I think, I think that's uh, the last cartoon. We're standing on the shoulder of our predecessors and it just happens that, that it's in quicksand, but we're- uh... <laughs> there's, Well, there's your cartoon for, for Charlie Hebdo. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, hey, uh, thank you for joining me, everybody. It has been a pleasure having you all. 
please uh, remember to subscribe to the KegelCast. Subscribe to the KegelCast. Our KegelCast is available in both video and audio versions. So if you don't see the cartoons in your audio version, go to kegel.com or Apple Podcasts or YouTube or Spotify to watch the video. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you next week. Was that your French accent? <laughs> it's always my French accent. Daryl, do you ever uh, pull back to show, you know, to show the cartoonists since we've already left? Let the, you go to the screens and we're gone. No, you're all hanging out. Gentlemen, that's the end. That's the end. And uh, I'll see you later. And of course, you should subscribe. Subscribe to this podcast. See you later. Thanks, Daryl. Thank you. Bye. All right. Good seeing y'all.